Why are monsters so frightening? Look at a zombie, for example, or a vampire. And I don't mean one of those heartthrobs who sparkle in the sunlight. I mean an old-school, blood-sucking demon. Vampire stories are often twisted around desire and seduction and sex and blood and remorseless, blank-eyed, passionless death and dismemberment. And the greatest threat a monster like that presents is how easy it is to mistake them for human and how we are just a hair's breadth away from becoming either a nameless victim or a monster ourselves. This is Crime Scene. I'm Jordan Fenster, and if the ominous introduction wasn't an obvious enough clue, I'll start with a warning. The following might be difficult for sensitive listeners. Discretion is advised. 25 years ago, in June of 1992, a body was found in a dumpster behind a Yonkers pizza place. I mean, this case has actually been solved. It's closed. But unfortunately, she's never been identified. So I'm trying to find her identity so we could reach out and, and contact the family. That's Detective John Geis. Yeah, I'm, uh, my name is John Geis. I'm a detective with the Yonkers Police Department's cold case unit. And my basic job is to investigate old, unsolved homicides. This particular Jane Doe, as Geis explains... She was a victim of the serial killer Robert Shulman of Hicksville, Long Island. Shulman was already in jail and on death row for three murders in Long Island when he confessed to two more. Lori Vasquez, killed in 1991, and the woman who has become known as the Yonkers Jane Doe. She was found in a dumpster behind I Love New York Pizza at 1288 Midland Avenue. Uh, All she was described was a a female white. She was 5'7 inches tall. She weighed in between 115 and 140 pounds. It was a rough estimate due to both arms and one leg not being recovered. She was approximately maybe 28 to 42 years old, uh, born between maybe 1950 to 1964. She had dark brown hair, short. She had hazel eyes. Pierce's a tattoo of a sideways butterfly on the back of her right shoulder. She had two previous uh, cesarean sections, uh, one vertical scar on the lower uh, stomach and one scar in the pubic region. Um, the autopsy showed that she also was a heavy smoker and she also had a scar in a mid portion of her left thigh. She had bright red polish uh, on her toes of her left foot. She was found at that time when she was found, she was found with a short sleeved light blue jean jacket and a white bra uh, size 32A. Um, Both her arms and her right leg had been dismembered and were never located. Before we go any further, I'd like to introduce you to the man they call Mr. Murder. Yeah, I got to talk about myself. All right, well, my name is Vernon Geber, G-E-B-E-R-T-H, retired homicide commander from New York, uh, presently an internationally renowned authority on homicide and forensic medicine. 
I've written 10 textbooks, uh, two master's degrees, graduate of the FBI National Academy. I'm a fellow in the American Academy of Forensic Science. I've been personally involved in investigating, supervising, and, and analyzing on over 8,000 homicide investigations throughout my career. I have a 46-year career, and I'm still actively engaged in consulting and instructing on death investigation. Geberth talks about serial murderers like they're vampires, or maybe sharks. Their eyes are cold. There's no life in them. They, 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 uh, they don't react like, like normal people. They don't have that psyche. Uh, that, I mean, if I ran over a squirrel on the way to work, I'd feel bad about the squirrel. But if I saw the squirrel stealing the bird food, I'd be pissed off at the squirrel. But <laughs> the thing is that normal people, you know, we, we, we react differently. Uh, with a sexual psychopath, you're dealing with somebody who's completely different. Focused only on the next killing. These folks are killing machines. They're 24-7. They're um, and when I say they're 24-7, what I'm saying is that in their mind, in their psyche, they're always looking for an opportunity to strike. And it will be like a shark, because the shark doesn't attack a bunch of people in the area. They always get the swimmer who's off to the side, you know? And they have this uncanny ability to recognize potential victims. Of Shulman's five known victims, three were known to be prostitutes. And it's assumed the two Jane Doe's, including the one found in Yonkers, were also prostitutes. Most of them, uh, most serial killers, they target prostitutes, uh, people who won't be missed, uh, uh, victims who are easy to, uh, to control. Most, like I say, most uh, victims of serial killers are, are women and children. Shulman picked up prostitutes in Long Island and took them back to his house, where he smoked crack with them before bludgeoning them to death with weights, hammers, and baseball bats. The particulars are important. As a homicide investigator, you have to focus on the similarities in cases as you develop an investigative hypothesis. Paying attention to similarities is how serial murderers are identified and caught. We look at MO and signature, okay? We look at what the MO of the person is. How does this a person, and MO is the, is the how of the crime. How does the offender uh, operate? How does he get uh, access to the victim? Uh, the time and place of the crime, a particular choice of victims to attack, uh, the method of gaining access to the victim, including some type of uniform or disguise or some ruse, how he presented himself to the victim, uh, feigning injury, asking directions, offering to assist, uh, etc. Many sexual criminals are not just satisfied with the murder, they have a compulsion to express themselves, and what they do to the bodies is this psychological need to satisfy himself sexually. So unlike DMO, the core signature is constant. Uh, over time, the signature component evolves like overkill, mutilation, sexual posing, engaging in postmortem activities, uh, because the victim in these cases is only a prop used to fulfill their violent sexual fantasies as they progress from victim to victim. The MO may change depending on a number of factors because MO changes uh, based on experience. And I've always spoken in terms of, like, serial murder is a work in progress. They learn as they go along. Because they go through a psychological uh, exercise after the event takes place. The fantasy is the fantasy. 
And what happens with the fantasy, they uh, they fantasize about doing this, they fantasize about doing this, they, they validate their fantasies through pornography. But the bottom line is they haven't killed yet, they've only fantasized. Once they kill, they cross that line, that psychological barrier. And the first psychological effect is this euphoria or that I did it. And then it's quickly followed by the fugue or fear state, am I going to get caught? And that's why they lay low. And they lay low for a period of time. And they focus on police statements, what, what the police said in the newspapers, what's on TV. And they'll adjust their uh, activities accordingly. And over a period of time, they're going to recharge themselves to go out and do it again. And the second time, third time, and fourth time, they get better at what they're doing. Shulman then dismembered the corpses and dumped the bodies, in some cases asking the help of his brother, Barry Shulman, who was sentenced to two years in prison for his role. Not many serial killers use a dumping ground. You know, they, they spread the bodies around, like Shulman, since you're talking about him. That moment, in this case, the moment our Jane Doe was dumped behind I Love New York Pizza, that's the most important, both for the serial killers and for the detectives trying to catch them. The highest point of stress for these folks is between where they acted out their sexual fantasy and where they disposed of the victim's body. They are highly vulnerable at that point because they are at that extreme psychological point. Once they dispose of the body, they go through this catharsis, they separate the body from, from themselves, and they were able to uh, regenerate. They don't have this thing that we have called a conscience. So they're able to torture and, and kill people in a, in, a, in a really brutal manner. And uh, you would think that if you were involved with a victim and a victim started pleading and crying, the normal human response would be to stop. No, that only makes them go even further and go more. The death penalty was ultimately outlawed in New York, but Shulman died in jail. Now, we've talked a lot about what motivates a serial killer. What I think is more interesting is what motivates people like Geis and Geberth to do what they do. You might say it's the reason Geis took on the cold case division. I hope that uh, I, I could give maybe some hope to the families, the victims' families, and and go out there and hopefully uh, find a person that's responsible and be able to tell the families what actually happened, uh, give them some kind of justice, give them some answers, and um, like I said before, never give them a closure because it's never going to bring back their loved ones, but I want to let them know that, you know, we didn't forget. On the 25th anniversary of the Yonkers Jane Doe's death, Geis is, I should mention, hoping that this podcast encourages someone who might have known her to reach out. She was, after all, someone's mother. She had at least two children. So what I'm hoping for is maybe they're interested to find out what happened to the mom. Uh, they, con they see this story. They contact the police. The police will take a DNA sample from them, and then that goes into the system, and hopefully we get a match and we find out who she is.
thanks to Vernon Geberth and Detective John Geis for their help on this story. My name is Jordan Fenster. This is Crime Scene.